on sabbatical, and so she'll be here part-time helping us watch over the flock. The headlines, many of them very grim, some from the Middle East, some from South Carolina and other places, have drawn me to a peculiar little book in the Old Testament called Jonah. And the four-week class upstairs this month has been studying Jonah. Jonah is the prophet whom, when God called him, he went the other way and he ran away. For God said, I want you to go to Nineveh, which is to say the city of his worst enemies. So Jonah goes the other way, and you remember the fish story that he gets turned around and brought home. And so he finally shows up in Nineveh, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up and go to Nineveh, that great city. Proclaim to it the message I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, three days' walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. A rabbi friend of mine points out that Jonah is the only prophet in the Scriptures who has success, and it's a group of Gentiles who listen to him. And this is Jonah's reaction. This is our lesson for this morning. When God saw what they did, how they turned the people of Nineveh from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry, and he prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a God gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. Jonah is angry. Jonah has a problem with the mercy of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jonah is a startling book. We tend to either ignore it or to relegate it to vacation Bible school because it's got that great fish story right in the middle and it's easy to write songs to go with Jonah for the children. But Jonah's themes are very grown up. There is a refusal to listen to God. There is a cry for help from the darkness. There is anger at the Almighty, and there is hatred of national enemies, a very grown-up book. All of these are found wrapped in a story of a strange prophet who kept wanting to go the other way. The background is like this. There was this story in the Jewish community about Jonah dating back to 750 B.C., and Jeroboam II, you remember Jeroboam II. 250 years later, an unknown author picks that story up to speak to his people. Now it is 500 
B.C., and they have been taken off to exile in Babylon, and then they have come home again. So it's like taking a story of Paul Revere or a story of Johnny Appleseed or even Christopher Columbus and then reworking that story to talk to the current setting. They recognize the name and they know one or two of the details. The setting is this, that the people are deeply angry for God carrying them off to exile. Yes, they have been brought home, but they are not particularly grateful for Jerusalem is in ruins and the temple is gone. And there is this incredible distrust for all things other than their own homeland and their own people. It is a circle the wagons mentality in Jerusalem. Their anger has shrunk the world. Their anger has shrunk God down to God is for us and God is against everybody else. Build the walls, lock the door, and kick all the foreigners out. Jerusalem for the Jews. And if you want to know more, read Nehemiah or Ezra to see how angry they were at all foreigners. So into this jingoistic and narrow nationalism, our author comes and he decides to retell an ancient story about a guy whom God did send to Nineveh. By doing this, he reminds his readers that God is a whole lot larger than anything they can imagine. The author tells the story at a time when no one wants to hear anything about those awful people in Assyria. Al Wynn was the president of Louisville Seminary when I was a student there. A few years later, he came to Richmond and was a pastor at Second Presbyterian Church. And he told us this story. As a young man, he was a professor down in Alabama at Stillman College. And he and his family lived on the white side of town in 1960s Alabama. There were two sides of town. It was very clear under segregation. They went to a very ordinary, run-of-the-mill Presbyterian church. Now, Alabama at that point was beginning to be in incredible turmoil, and Montgomery and Selma and Birmingham were in the headlines as civil rights marchers asked for their place in the larger community. The white folk were angry. They were defensive. And on a Sunday morning, Al took his family to church, and the minister, a plain, ordinary Southern Presbyterian minister, took the children's song, Jesus Loves the Little Children, Red and Yellow, Black and White, All Are Precious in His Sight. He made that old, old story the center of his lesson for that day. But the old, old story, the song they'd all sung as children, suddenly took on an incredible new meaning in that current context, even a radical meaning. All the children, no matter what their color, matter to God. An example of taking an old story and in a completely different context, it opens us up again to how 
broad the love of God is. Jonah is such a story told in a setting about God's Spirit leading us toward the stranger and even the enemy. Now, the other thing about the book of Jonah, if you read it, and it only takes about 15 minutes to read Jonah, it's very short, is that Jonah is essentially a tall tale. Everything in it is overblown, it is outsized, it is even comical. There is a great storm, there is a great fish, there is a great city of Nineveh that takes three days to walk across. There is a great plant that grows up quickly in the last chapter and then dies just as quickly. It's like everything in the book is written in capital letters. Now hear this. God speaks, Jonah's up, and he runs the wrong way. Jonah's down, Jonah's up again, Jonah comes back. Jonah preaches. He's mad that people have listened to his preaching. I don't get that. I mean, you know, if you could get somebody to listen. Jonah wants to die. Jonah decides he wants to live. Jonah wants to die again. Anybody watch the John Stewart Daily Show? Anybody know about that? You know how he takes humor, and yet there's this incredible message over and over again. You know exactly what he's thinking, even though he's cracking jokes. That's what Jonah is doing. He's sort of joshing his listeners, but at the same time, he has a very important message that hits them right between the eyes. There is this incredible scene where Jonah stomps his feet says, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. You are a God of mercy, slow to anger and forgiving, constant and steadfast love. Daggone it. What kind of way is that to run the world? The problem of God's mercy. Jonah makes it to Nineveh, the worst place on earth. It's at the heart of what we now call modern-day Iraq. It's the heart of that territory, Syria and Iraq, where ISIS now is at war with the whole world. And we ourselves have been at war in fairly recent days. Jonah arrives in the hated city full of people that he cannot stand, and he mutters. I don't think he shouts out. I think he mutters. Forty more days and this city will be overthrown. Forty more days and this city will be over. He doesn't want them to hear He does not want them to repent. He wants them destroyed. But the story says they listen. The story says they repent. Even the king calls for a fast. He tells all the people to wear sackcloth and ashes. He even tells the cows to wear sackcloth and ashes. This is, you know, making fun that foreigners also can repent and turn to God. And Jonah blows a gasket at God's mercy. By making things way too big, the author wants to hold up the reader's own prejudice and narrowness in broad daylight. We want God to be merciful to us, and we don't want God to be merciful to anybody else. We want God to love us. We don't want God to love our enemies. Then we've got to find a different book to read. For God is merciful, patient, forgiving. God puts 
his glad news out for all. Love does not seek the destruction of the other. Love seeks the conversion of the other. So our headlines tell us of bombings in synagogues and mosques and wars. Our headlines tell us of guns in a church basement in Charleston, South Carolina. And the startling response of that congregation and indeed the whole city of Charleston. And the story of Jonah reminds us that we are not here to divide the world into good guys and bad guys. We're the good guys and to hell with everybody else. We are here to serve a God whose mercy is startling, who tells us to pray even for our enemies. I want to close with this story from the Jewish Talmud. Now, the Talmud is a collection of the rabbis' teachings from Babylon, from the years that they lived in Assyria. And in the Talmud, there is this story. The story says that on the day that Moses and the people of Israel were fleeing from Pharaoh's army, all the angels in heaven rushed to the balcony and leaned over, and they were white-knuckled as they watched the Hebrews fleeing and Pharaoh's army chasing them. They all held their breath as the people got backed up against the Red Sea, but then the sea parted, and the Hebrews ran across and got safely to the other side, and Pharaoh's army rushed into the gap, and the waters closed in, and Pharaoh's army was drowned. And a great shout went up from the angels, and they turned and they ran all the way back to the throne room, and they burst into God's throne room, and they shouted, Hallelujah, the Hebrews are safe, Moses is safe, and Pharaoh's army is drowned. And there sat God on the throne, and there were tears on the face of God. And God said, How can I rejoice? Are not the Egyptians my children too? And this is in a Jewish book. Grace, mercy, steadfast love. That's gospel. God cares about us and God cares about the other, even our enemies. As the remarkable people in the congregation of Emmanuel A&E Church in Charleston are teaching us all. Our journey is not about naming who's a good guy and who's a bad guy. Our journey is about living in the surprising presence of God. The problem of God's mercy is that it is for all who call for God's help. Thanks be to God.